millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's not always easy finding children clothes they like to wear. Could one of the problems be that all those gaudy designs and garish colours and patterns are usually the work of an adult? That's the kind of question that Articles of Interest thinks about. It's a mini-series from the popular design podcast 99% Invisible that tells stories about fashion and the clothes we wear. I listened to a good one recently talking about why women's clothing doesn't have more pockets. Well, back to kids' clothing and its limitations – what would it be like to be an adult who has to wear it? Well, Joe Rosenberg's four foot eight inches tall. That's 142 centimetres. And early on, he speaks to his friend, colleague and host, Avery Truffleman, about his experiences shopping in the children's clothing aisle. Articles of Interest. A show about what we wear. And so maybe the ideas about clothing. You can attach our ideas about class. An idea of home to a piece of cloth. <laughs> Any fool can wear clothes. But if you ain't got the attitude and style to carry it off, man, you're just a clothes horse. Clothes are records of the bodies we've lived in. Think of an old sweater you used to have that's just not your style anymore, or jeans that just aren't your size anymore. We are like snakes who shed our skins and grow new ones as we age. And it all starts in the kids' department. It's not looking good. Oh, wow. Joe and I went to J. Crew together. He was pretty much ready to give up as soon as we walked in. We haven't even dove in yet. I know we haven't. Um... The kids' section was one row, and everything in it was very loud. This shirt glows in the dark. This shirt glows in the dark. This shirt has many uh, tie-dye bicycles on it. Um, Um, This shirt has so many stripes that maybe it almost works. (laughs) The color palette of the children's department tends to be really bright and way over-decorated, as Joe and I debriefed in his car. The fundamental thing about shopping as a very short person having to shop for kids' clothes is that your life is just this hellscape of, like, ripped jeans and deliberate patches and fun slogans and crazy zippers and bold colors and prints and the idea that you're going to find just like slim jeans in a subtle hue, dark wash. You know, like, no, it just doesn't happen. It almost makes no sense. You'd think that we would all start as young blank canvases dressed in shades of white and gray, slowly acquiring more and more colors, more graphics, more signifiers of who we are as we age and solidify into ourselves, until we finally retire in jeans that we've ripped and distressed and patched ourselves, paired with graphic t-shirts that list all the bands we've heard and TV shows we've watched and cities we've visited throughout our lives. But no, all that decoration and phony self-expression is put in a blender with birthday cake and sequins and then put in a hanger on a rack. That's the kids' section. It, it's bad. It's really bad. And actually, even if I'm just alone, I'm like, 
slightly embarrassed for myself. So how did we get here? Where did this style we call children's clothes come from? Children's clothes haven't always been a thing. And historically, especially in the United States, childhood itself was a luxury. Because you have working children, children of parents who are not slaves but have to work, and then children who are slaves and have to work and maybe don't have a childhood much really at all. This is Erin Algio. She's the curator at the Lassis Museum of Lace and Textiles in Berkeley. Some children are always clean and some children are always precious and some are not. That's class. That's whether someone is slave or free. The children who were not considered clean or precious didn't get children's clothes. I'm sure you've seen pictures of children that are working. And they do look like little adults as they're standing in the cotton mill or boys that go down and work in the mines. Basically, poorer children were given what was around, while upper-class children had the privilege of being deliberately dressed. And although fancy children were also sometimes dressed like little adults, underneath their clothes... A lot of them were wearing corsets. If your parents wanted to raise you correctly, they would put you boys and girls in corsets. There's this whole idea that children had to be cultivated, like a dog in a harness or a flower on a trellis. Now, the corsets were not as intense as older women wore. But yes, boys and girls, were, it was considered for posture and so forth that you would be in a corset. And although it happened slowly, the demise of the child corset is thanks to philosophers like Jean-Jacques Rousseau. Our concept of childhood that we have now was really formed in the 18th century. In 1762, Rousseau wrote, Hold childhood in reverence and do not be in any hurry to judge it for good or for ill. Give nature time to work before you take over her business, lest you interfere with her dealings. It made the concept that those little bodies needed to be free, free and unfettered. Side note, Rousseau himself was a terrible dad. He dropped his children off at an orphanage and abandoned them. But philosophies like his, paired with eventual child labor laws and regulations, really helped shape our idea of what a precious, valuable time childhood is. In the 18th century, clothes just for children come in, and they look different than adult clothes. In these clothes, children are dressed up for the occasion of their youth. This amazing time free from cares, separate from the rest of their lives. They were designed for ease of movement. When we look at them today, we can't believe anyone could move in them. They may have been easier to move in than a corset, but these clothes were still really formal, like embroidered dresses for girls and boxy little suits for boys. But it just looks like a little suit, I guess. Adorable. Yeah, no, it is is adorable, actually. So children are wearing these adorable mini-me get-ups. It's almost like a parody of adulthood. Stuff meant to look like adult clothes that adults would never actually wear, which is what we see now in the kids' department. And it has everything to do with our evolving concepts of childhood and how much freedom and protection we think children ought to have. Because although their corsets are long gone, children are still bound by legal requirements. What, what is this thing you gave me? <laughs> this is from the NRA. No, not that NRA. National Retail Association of Australia. My friend Morgan is not Australian. She is a technical designer for a big children's clothing company. She'd rather not say which one. One of the major children's clothing retailers in the United States. Her company has many, many, many rules about what can and cannot be in children's clothes. 
but those rules are top secret. So Morgan brought me that Australian safety guide because it's kind of similar and it gives you a rough idea. This is 76 pages long and thorough. And it goes through at the beginning the way you assess risk, which is high to low based on if a kid could die from it. You don't want choking hazards, no sharp edges, and no drawstrings. Globally, there are reports of various serious injuries and deaths occurring when knots, toggles, or cord ends become snagged or caught into moving parts or closing doors. And in order to address that, you can't have a cord that's longer than three inches. And that goes all the way up to 12 years in the United States. Sometimes in the kids' section, you can see drawstrings on hoodies or sweatpants, but those don't actually function. They're just decorative. They can't actually cinch the body. You can only cinch in between these two inches. It's basically so that kids can look like little adults without running the risks of adult dressing. So the clothing companies don't get in trouble. I mean, you can get sued for sure if you kill kids, you know. They're not doing it just for a sense of morality. These guidelines are the cobbled together aftermath of a series of disasters. It's just like lawsuit after lawsuit. Every time an item is recalled or a clothing company gets sued for endangering a child, the guidelines get revised or tightened. And one of the biggest legal differences between children and adult clothes is flammability. Flame retardant's a huge one. Everything has to be flame retardant if they're sleeping. If a child is going to sleep in it, the fabric has to be flame retardant. And the garment has to fit tight. They are concerned about candles, night lights, fires in house. Whatever could happen if their kid is wearing loose-fitting clothing and it's hanging loose from you, it's just going to like have a lot of oxygen to give you a bunch of third-degree burns. Anything that could potentially be sleepwear has to be near skin tight and it has to be flame-resistant so that doesn't happen to kids. And this starts to get at our question about why kids' clothes look the way they do. Because note how Morgan said anything that could potentially be sleepwear. Flammability rules don't just apply to clothes labeled as pajamas. They could apply to any garment a parent puts their kids to sleep in. Or that a kid decides that they want to sleep in it. So anything that is comfortable or soft, which means that kids' clothing, if it's not sleepwear, has to go through great pains to prove that it's not sleepwear, so that they don't have to meet all those flammability and size requirements. So let's say you're trying to design kids' clothes that are not for sleeping. They can't have pictures of anything that could be interpreted as sleepy. Like what is pictured on it? Is it sleeping animals? Is it a sleepy scene? Does that make you feel sleepy? If it makes you feel sleepy, it's sleepwear. So no images of the moon, no images of stars, and no clouds. You know, like a cloud thing with Hollywood wouldn't work. Your legal department at your company would be like, you can't do that because that makes me feel like sleep. And then certain animals, like owls. Same with other nocturnal creatures like bats. Unless you're designing a Halloween line and you really, really, really want to have a shirt with a bat on it. But I don't know if it was on Halloween and it had enough like sequins on it or something, maybe you could get away with it. Sequins are a good way to show a garment is not for sleeping. Same with glitter and action graphics and bright colors and ornamental pockets. You could bring it enough out of sleepwear that a kid would never want to sleep on it, so make it uncomfortable or make it a jacket or something like that. It's decoration as a form of protection, defending kids from fire and also protecting the companies from liability. Sometimes behind the glitter and garishness is a legal subtext. Sometimes. Not all the time. 
No, legal. I would say that that they believe that they're giving you something more special, something more marketable by putting tchotchkes on the garment. This is Lana Hogue, an industry expert who's been working in garment development and production for over 30 years. And the sequins are usually to appeal to the child. Do they do a lot of test groups and focus groups with little kids? You know, I think they should more. I have not seen that anywhere. Really? I worked. Manufacturers will ask parents what they're looking for in terms of styles, but not the kids themselves. They don't have any money. Probably the closest they've come to focus groups and test groups were the photo shoots. Well, and fit sessions. We want to see how something fits, but if they're kind of, oh, it's itchy and they want out of it, then you know that that's probably just a special occasion dress. <laughs> it's not going to be their favorite item. But it's not like you'd cancel a garment because a kid didn't like it. No, unfortunately huh. they don't still. So the loudness of the kids' department has to do with safety rules, but not entirely. So it's not because of flammability. It's because of what kids want. But we don't ask kids what they want. It's right? what we think kids want. Exactly. No, I think you're right. But if you took a child into the store and you're walking around... A lot of them are drawn to the the silly things hanging off a garment, but only up until a certain age. And I think that kids go through a really awkward period where they're trying to figure out what's cool again because they don't trust their their previous tastes. Although this is true for anyone at any age. We move out of one phase and into the next. Unless you are trapped in the children's section and forever relegated to this bright, loud, strange way of dressing. Articles of interest from 99% Invisible, created and presented by Avery Truffleman. Thanks for listening to the podcast hour from RNZ. It's a new show, so it can be tough for new listeners to find us. And I also really want to know what you think about the show, so how many podcasts I should feature each week. Do you want longer or shorter excerpts? Are you enjoying the interviews with producers and hosts of shows? All that kind of stuff. So I'm shamelessly pleading for ratings and reviews on iTunes or the Apple Podcast, Apple Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast from, in fact. So if you found the podcast hour handy for finding new stuff to listen to, if you've got a minute or two spare, please consider subscribing to it, leaving a rating or a review, or even just mentioning the show to a friend or a family member. Thanks so much. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.